tonight. Lord, we love you, we bless you, and we need you. It's in Jesus' holy name. Everybody said as loud as they can. Amen, amen, amen. Let's thank these guys for playing for us this weekend. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Dave. I'm the high school pastor here, also known as the Bearded Wonder. But that's a different story. So um, really good to see you guys. This is my, next to Impact, this is my second favorite event at TBC. So I love this event, and I love it for a couple of reasons. Number one, because y'all smell awesome in here. And, uh, and number two, I love it because um, it's a chance for us to just galvanize the group for the school year. But also, um, this event is um, an event that we do not just for um, the church people or the Christians um, in our city. We do this for um, people that maybe you're here for the first time, maybe you haven't been in church in a long time, maybe you haven't um, even wanted to be a part of a church at all, and I don't blame you sometimes on that one. Um, But no matter where you're at, um, we love the fact that you're here, and we want you to know that um, if it's your first time here in a long time at a church service, so to speak, that we want this weekend to be an introduction into what it looks like to be um, in relationship to Jesus, but also connected to the body of Christ. We really believe here that um, when you become a Christian and put your faith and trust in Jesus, it's not just about this, just, just the personal relationship that's important, but you also become connected to the body of Christ um, through his work on the cross and also through the Holy Spirit. So um, this is why the theme of this weekend is uncommon community, all right? So we have been talking about this in high school for the last month on our Wednesday nights, and, and I wanted to make this the theme of Connect Weekend because I think it's really, really important for you to see that um, community, as we talk about it in the church, should not be just something that we do casually, but it should be something that's unique and uncommon to what the world sees. And, and so we're trying to understand what that means. And so tonight, Darren's going to speak to us about how that first has to happen, the only way it's going to happen to make it uncommon, it's for, it first has to be centered on the person and the work of Christ. And uh, so to tell you about Darren, um, he's an old friend of ours, and he is a guy, um, he came here I think five, six years ago to speak at this event, and most of you guys weren't born then, but, um, but he was here a few years ago to speak, and uh, because whenever I ask you guys like that are older, like the senior guys, remember he was here like six years ago, and you're like, no, I don't remember. And I'm like, why am I paying people to come in here and speak, and y'all don't remember these things? But um, he's an incredible guy, and he used to live with uh, me and a bunch of other dudes, and we had a lot of fun together. Um, I'll never forget him um, jamming out to Def Leppard in his room back in the day, still do. And uh, so married to Ashley, he has a couple of, or actually three kids. Three kids. So um, Hudson, Max, and I forget your daughter's name, Reese, who he adopted from Thailand. We're just going to do this fill-in-the-blank thing all night. I'll just, just give me your talk. I'll just do it for you. So um, let's give Darren a warm welcome. All right? Get him on up here. Step inside. Walk this way. Oh, are you kidding? That's Steph Leopard. Y'all don't even know what's going on in my soul right now. Oh, man. 
Oh, I thought we were doing it, man. I thought we were going full tilt karaoke. All right, I'll, maybe in the morning. Maybe that's a Sunday morning thing. Hey, how we doing? Dave was right, man. Look, listen to me. Look at me in my good eye. Um, when I walked in that room earlier, when I walked in here, when y'all were singing, there's a very distinct aroma in this room that is un- unlike anything I've experienced in a while. I checked myself. It wasn't me. It's y'all. I'm used to it now, though. Nose blind. Okay. Okay, like Dave said, uh, I was here several years ago. Um, uh, uh, I live in Houston right now. That's where, that's where we live. I didn't live in Houston the last time I was here. Uh, I lived in Arkansas, which is what this shirt's all about. Don't Google this. This is the starting five. Uh, from the uh, 1994 Arkansas Razorback National Championship basketball team, you probably should have known that. Um, so don't don't like don't be trying to figure out my shirt like the whole service and miss everything I said. So I got to go ahead and get that out there, just right out of the shoot. Uh, married uh, to Ashley, uh, she's uh, she's a worship leader at our church, and is uh, uh, she's hotter than most women. Is 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 kind of how I explain it. It's just kind of how I put it, like. Like on a scale to like from like one to dang, she's like the the dang. Um, (laughs) I'm not making that up. Like everybody says that it gets in front of people. Everybody's like, "In my beautiful hot wife." Most guys don't mean it. Like I mean it. Okay. Uh, Three children. Uh, Hudson, my oldest, he's here with me. Uh, He's actually in the lobby back there. You can't see him because we built a wall. Um, everybody turn around and look. You're not going to be able to, you can't see through there. Uh, Hudson's 13, but he doesn't look 13. You're going to notice he's ginormous. He's like six foot something. He's 13 years old. He plays basketball and he's an incredible athlete. Um, Max, uh, my 10 year old, uh, the reason I'm, I'm really sunburned right now and highly uncomfortable, um, we, uh, we've been at a, a skateboard contest all day in Houston. My, my kid, Max, is like a, a high-level skater. Not like a, hey, Dad, watch me, and then you fall over in the grass. Like, a, like this kid, is, he's got clothing sponsorships and skateboard sponsorships. and So we've been in a big contest all day long today. I left and didn't even get to see how he did, how he placed in the contest. My wife sent me a video uh, he got, uh, in his age group today, he got a third out of 20 kids, and so we were, it was super awesome day. Um, so that's, uh, that's Max. He's a bit of a spaz. Um, then the other one is near perfect, uh, Reese, our little girl from Thailand. Uh, I, she's not quite that short. She's like eight, so maybe around this area. Um, but Reese, we got her when she was about a year old from uh, Thailand, and uh, we, we just picked her up and brought her home legally. We didn't just like, <laughs> I mean, we weren't just like over there and we were like, hey, candy? No, we didn't do that. That's, that's illegal even in Thailand. <laughs> we adopted her, okay? And uh, she's, uh, she's just a huge part of our family and a part of our story. And she's absolutely stunning. Um, Google her. You'll see her. I don't know. I don't, I don't have any pictures. Like most guys come in and go, hey, here's my family. Look how awesome they are. I, I, I didn't bring any. I don't have any pictures. I mean, I can show you on my phone. It's just a really small screen. Uh, let's get moving. Um, so Dave, Dave, uh, Dave sends me an electronic mail a couple, 
uh, several months ago and says, <laughs> he says, hey, uh, do you want to come be a part of our deal? And I was like, Dave who? And so he told me, he reminded me who he was, and I was like, ah, yeah, I bet your beard is hideous. Um, it's more gray than ugly. So, uh, <laughs> so, where is he? Does he still work out? I'm not scared of you anymore, Dave. I work out now, too. I'm not scared of you. <laughs> Careful. You're going to pull a hamstring in there. <laughs> or wherever they are. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. You guys looking at me like I'm a doctor. I'm a preacher. Come on. So uh, he says, hey, man, we'd love for you to come and be a part of this, this deal, this uh, Connect weekend. And I said, I would, I, man, I'd love to. And then when he like, sent me the stuff and said, hey, here's kind of the idea we're, we're thinking about talking about. And, 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 and I got to tell you, man, this is when, when we talk about community and we get to talking about real relationships and discipleship in those relationships, um, this, is, this is our heartbeat. The, the church that I'm a part of is a church called The Met, and this is what we are all about, man, is uncommon community. Uh, we're, not just a, we're not a church that throws a big show every Sunday morning and then a big one every Wednesday night for our students. I mean, we, we live in community with one another. Our staff, um, and then tomorrow night, when I leave here tomorrow, I'm going to go home, and then tomorrow evening at about 6 o'clock, my house is going to be full of all kinds of strange people that I wouldn't typically hang out with that are part of my small group and, and we just love on each other and take care of each other. So this is just a, a, just a huge part of who I am. So I was super excited, man, when I heard what, what we're going to be talking about this weekend. Um, so let's get into it. So we're, we're talking, as, as Dave said, we're, we're talking tonight that um, you, can't, you can't have real, I mean real, relationships with one another if Jesus is not at the center, okay? You can't. Like, I've been at the skate park all day long. Houston has the largest skate park in the United States. It's about 12 minutes from my house, and we're there constantly. I mean, we're at the skate park sometimes three and four days a week with Max, and we know every skater out there. We know every kid that skates in that skate park. And they all know each other, and they all hang out. And then when we do big contests like what we did today, they're all hanging out all day long. I mean, we got there at 8 o'clock this morning, and, and our guys, we still have guys out there skating right now. And these guys know each other. They're friends with each other. They follow each other on Instagram and the chit-chat, whatever that one is, where you do the videos and the pictures. That's what I said. That's what I said. No, I didn't. It's the speakers. They do all of this stuff, but here's the deal. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, that little community is limited in how healthy and productive their relationships can be. They are. They're limited. They have a whole lot in common. They use the same words. They use words that people outside of the skate community don't use. Right? They know things that only they are supposed to know. But they're so very limited on how deep and how intimate those relationships can be. Because those aren't relationships, that's not a community built on something more. That's a community built on something they enjoy doing. And so what we try to do in the skate world 
is we try to be a light in that world and, and show them that they can be a community of something more. That's why we put this huge contest on today. Hundreds of kids skated in this thing. Five, six hundred people at this thing cheering and, and hanging out. And we bring in guys that are, are Christians. They're, they're, they're professional skaters that are also believers. And they, we share who Jesus is to this whole world that, quite honestly, is fairly anti-Jesus. Because we want them to see that without Jesus in their lives, their relationships are limited. They will only go so deep. You can only talk about what color your skateboard wheels are for so long. That's not something that leads to, now can I pray with you? That's just typically not where that goes. Ooh, green ones. Let's pray. No, that's not what happens at the skate park. Right? And you know this, if you're not in the skate world, which I'm assuming that most of you aren't, because most people aren't, but even in your own little circles, you know this to be true as well, whether you're in band or whether you're in dance or whether you uh, like to ride horses. Yeah, not many woos on that one. That's always the one they go, horses? Three of you. Three, three of you rich kids that have a horse in your room. Because that's what you ask daddy for, right? You know, whether you're on a team or in a different club at school, you know that that little community, as good as it can be, right? As, as awesome as that can be, you know that that little community is limited on how healthy and how meaningful it can turn out. Sorry, my ears are sunburned. It's hurt my ear. No, I'm driving. What did you ask? No. <laughs> I didn't know what he asked. I thought he asked me about Anyway. So here's what we're going to talk about today. Okay? Tonight we're just going to dive into this one particular passage. And I want to kind of show you the foundation for what we're going to be talking about tonight. And for those of you that are sitting in here right now and you're like, Hey, I don't even know if I buy all this God stuff. My friend said... Uh, that if I went with him, there's a bunch of chicks there. And so I was like, yeah, I'm in. So some of you are here for that reason, and I don't care if that's the reason you're here. God bless you. God bless your friend for a good marketing scheme, however he got you here. right? Like whatever, whatever he had to say to you to get you here, I'm for it. Okay. So if you're one of those that are sitting here tonight going, hey, you know what, Darren? I mean, you're telling me I can't have like real true friendships, and you're telling me that my friendships and my community, the people I hang out with, the relationships I have are only going to go so deep or so far. You're telling me that if I don't have Jesus, that, that there's like this cap on my relationships. Um, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying tonight. And so, look, if that's you and you're thinking that, instead of letting that offend you, let me ask you this. Would you just be open to it for a few moments? Instead of just... Like switching the channel on me, just for a few moments, would you be kind of open to this idea that, that maybe there's something more out there for me? Maybe there's a community of people, even right here in this church, with the people in this room, maybe the people that are going to be in your group tonight, maybe there's a group of people to where they're going to take me deeper and help me more than I ever thought imaginable, more than my current community is going to do. So if you've got your Bibles... I got mine. I brought it. I'm going to read through this passage, okay? And I'm going to talk about it a little bit, and then I'm going to kind of back up. We're going to talk about kind of how Jesus did things, and then we're going to keep moving forward. 
This is in the book of Ephesians, okay? It's in the E's, if your Bible's alphabetized, which I'm sure it's not because that doesn't exist. I would love to do that, though. I just think it'd be a great idea. Ephesians chapter 2 is where I'm going to be. Okay, we're going to have it up on the screen. Okay, and look, if that version reads a little differently than, than what I'm reading, don't freak out about that. Okay, it's the same thoughts. It's going to be all right. Just try to follow along. This is a letter that this guy Paul wrote to this specific church in this town called Ephesus. The people that live in Ephesus are called Ephesians. What did you say? Somebody did not say Ephesians. Somebody said something Pokemon related over there in the seventh grade area. Just have a feeling. That's what they do. Right, this is a letter to this, this group of Ephesians. And this guy Paul... This guy Paul is writing in this church this letter to kind of encourage them and help them out with some stuff. Okay, there was no email, there was no Facebook, there was no easy way to communicate back in the day. So Paul writes an actual letter with pen, with ink, and paper, and sends it over to this church, and they all have to sit around and read this as a group, right? Because they don't have copies of this book just laying around in their building, right? They don't have an app that they can pull out and go, hey... Paul sent out an email, a group email today. Let's see what Paul had to say. That's not how it worked. He would write a letter. The leader of the, le- the leader of the church would gather everybody around and go, hey, here's Paul wrote us a letter. Let's see what he's got to say. This is some important stuff that's coming from God. Okay, so that's what this book is. Chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 11. Ready? Here we go. I'm going to read just a little bit. It says this, Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews. If you don't know what that means, ask your group leader later. That should be an interesting conversation. Uh, who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. I hope the middle school guys asked that question. Hey, tell us about the verse 11 again. Sounds interesting. Verse 12. In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been unified with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to Him through the blood of Christ. Let me stop right there. Okay, You need a little background right here of who the Ephesians were. There were two types of people back in the day, back in this day. Two types of people. There were God's people who were the Israelites or the Jews, and then there was everybody else. They were called the Gentiles. It was just a a name given to everybody that wasn't a Jew. And the Gentiles did not understand anything about who God was. Like they all worshiped like weird gods, like tree gods and 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 like tomato plant gods and all kinds of strange they did all kinds of strange stuff. Is what they did. And so what Paul did, part of his life, was he went around to all these people that had never heard anything about God, and he began to to share with them about God and who Jesus was. So that's who he's talking to right now. And he's starting out this little little passage saying, hey, look, you you guys used to have no idea who God was. You didn't know who God was. You were just kind of floating through life trying to just get by. So verse 14 says this. It says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. 
He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations, and he made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled or made right both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Let me finish it up. It says this. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus Himself. We are carefully joined together in Him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through Him, you Gentiles, are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by His Spirit. Now look, that was a whole lot of reading. And those of you that that your parents don't give you the medicine on the weekends, that was a whole lot to take in all at once. I get it. Okay? That was a lot of Jews and Gentiles and... Some of you are still curious about verse 11, want to know what that deal is all about. Okay, but let me, let me just explain kind of what, what this passage is trying to talk to us about. Paul says this. Paul is saying to these Gentiles, these people who had no idea of God, he's saying this. There was a time when you guys were enemies with the Jews. The Jews despised you. You despise the Jews. In fact, the thing that Paul says here is that there was a wall of hostility put up. Not an actual wall, okay? But between the two groups, the idea was, we hate you guys, you guys hate us, we're never going to see eye to eye, leave us alone, we'll leave you alone. Then he says this, but here's what's crazy, he says, but then Jesus came along. And what Jesus did was His death on the cross forgave you of your sin and forgave the Jews of their sins. And because of that, that wall that separated us came tumbling down. He said, and now we're all one one group. In fact, He says, now we're all citizens. Now, not citizens like, hey, I'm a citizen of the United States of America or the state of Texas or anything like that but citizens, family members. In fact, he says right there, he says, you are members of God's family, and then check it out, together, together, that's the word here, together, he says, both Jews and Gentiles, because of Jesus, together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus Himself. So back in the day when they would build a house or any kind of structure, like they don't build it like they do now. Like they build houses now and they just put walls up and the junk and then you're moving in. Then it was one stone at a time. And there was always one stone that held the whole thing together in one of the corners. And it was called the cornerstone. Pretty obvious. That was not a very long meeting. Hey, what are we calling it? I don't know. What is it? Stone. Where is it? The corner? Cornerstone? Awesome. Thanks, Steve, for that idea. 
So this cornerstone, this cornerstone holds the whole structure together. And what Paul is saying is we are this house. And Jesus is the cornerstone that allows all of us together to be this house. He says we are carefully joined together in Him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. And through Him, you Gentiles also, being made part of this dwelling where God lives by His Spirit. Now this was, this was a mind-blowing idea. This right here. This idea that now anyone could be made right with God. And that all of those who accepted what Jesus did on the cross could be one family, regardless of who they were. Get that? Regardless of who they were. So let's back up and think about what Jesus did. Right? We have this saying at our church. We say this. We don't just do the, the things that Jesus says, right? We don't just go, hey, let's listen to the message of Jesus and do that, right? Let's listen to His words and do that. We say we, we will, will follow the message of Jesus, but we will also follow, here's what we say, the method of Jesus, how He does things. That's why relationships are so very important to us. That's why this idea of uncommon community means so much to me. Because that's how Jesus did things. He broke down these walls of hostility. Think about what he did. The first guys he called to be his disciples or his followers were guys who had been fairly rejected by the, the Jewish system. They were Jews. They weren't Gentiles. They were Jews. These 12 disciple guys, they were all Jews. But they didn't make the cut in school, so they didn't get to be somebody's disciple. Like they didn't get to be some rabbi's disciple. Because back in the day, that's what you wanted to be. Like you went to school to learn all the stuff in the Old Testament so you could be a disciple of a rabbi. And a rabbi would walk up and go, hey, I want you to come be my disciple. If you didn't do well in school, you got to go back to the farm or go back to the fishing boat and do that the rest of your life. Which, remember, is where Jesus picked all of these guys up. These were guys who did not make the cut they had friends who had made the cut, who were following along a, a Jewish teacher, a rabbi. And they were kind of imported and everybody knew how awesome they were. But these guys, not so much. They were fishing and putting stuff together and collecting taxes and doing stuff like that. And Jesus breaks down this wall of hostility and walks up to these guys and says, Hey, I want you to come follow me. I'll be your rabbi. When no one else would touch these guys, Jesus said, you come follow me. That's what Jesus does. He brings people together. And then think about it. He's got these guys that start following him around everywhere. They're, anywhere that Jesus goes, these 12 guys go for like three and a half years. And think about the stuff they saw. Right? Remember Zacchaeus? You remember there's a song. What was he? Okay, he was, wasn't he? He was a wee little man. We all know that. We know that song. I sang it even when I was a kid. That song was around. It's probably been around since Zacchaeus. It's probably why they wrote it. Right? I was listening when Hudson, he's the tall one, uh, when he was a baby, like we had these Bible story songs, because that's what you do when you're a kid and you love your kids, or when you're a parent and you love your kids, you, you let them listen to Bible story songs. 
and a little bit of Def Leppard. <laughs> but we were listening to these Bible story songs, and it was the Zacchaeus song. And it's, we love man, it's And remember this part? Jesus said, Zacchaeus, you come down. And then the way the song goes is, for we're going to your house today. Yes, we're going to your house today. That's how that song goes. This song, the remix of it, apparently, says, for we're going to your house for tea. I was like, no, we're not. Jesus, Jesus was a tough guy. He wouldn't have said that. Zacchaeus, let's go have some tea. He wouldn't have done that. It's not how the song goes. It's against the Bible. But you remember Zacchaeus, right? Look, look, we did you a disservice. We did you a disservice when we taught you that cute little song about Zacchaeus. Because we made it seem like Zacchaeus was a nice little fella. That just was just too short to see Jesus. Zacchaeus was the worst guy in town. He was the most hated individual in their community. Why? Because he was a tax collector. When you're a tax collector in Jerusalem, that means you're a Jew who works for Rome. Rome has taken over Jerusalem. In order for Rome to get their money, they've got to ask people to collect taxes for them. Zacchaeus is one of the guys who signed up, which basically meant he looked at all of his Jewish family members and friends and said, I'm from this point forward, Rome is more important than you guys are, and I'm going to rip you off. I'm going to steal from you. So he was hated. Zacchaeus was a despised person in this community. You wouldn't be caught dead hanging out with Zacchaeus. Yet what Jesus does is he breaks down this wall because he wants to have a relationship with Zacchaeus. Because no matter what everybody else thought about Zacchaeus, what Jesus thought was this is a guy who needs what I have. So he says, Zacchaeus, I want you to come down. I want you to get out of that tree. I want you to go with me. Show me where you live. We're going to go hang out a little bit. Talk some. We don't know what they talked about. We don't know what the discussion is. Some guy thinks they know that he had tea, but that guy doesn't know. He's just guessing. And they sit down and it says, when Zacchaeus came out of the house, he's had this experience and he walks out on his front porch and he looks at everybody and he says, hey, 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 hey. Who I just met in here has completely changed my life. It's broken down that wall of hostility. And so if I've cheated you, I'm going to give you back your money. If I've stolen from you, I'm going to give you, not just give you back things, I'm going to give you back four times what, what I took from you. And then I'm going to give everything else I have left, I'm giving half of that to the poor. Why did he do that? Because whatever he and Jesus talked about, he saw that Jesus wanted an actual, real relationship with him, regardless of who he was. Think about this woman at the well that he has a conversation with. This is a, this is a PG-13 story. Ooh, I got some of y'all's attention now. Middle schoolers are like, oh, yay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show it. I'm going to show it up here. No. <laughs> but look, here's what happens, right? Remember? Jesus is hanging out at this well. This lady walks up. She's getting her some, some water. And Jesus says, like, hey, what's up? And she's like, oh, 
um, you're not supposed to be talking to me. He's like, so you getting some water? And she was like, um, yeah. And he starts having this conversation with her. Starts like Jedi mind tricking her, saying stuff like, hey, I've got, I've got water that you'll, you'll never get thirsty anymore. She's like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Because <laughs> those aren't real words put together to make a sentence. That make any sense. And so she's doubting who Jesus is, and then Jesus does one of his Jesus things. Right? Jesus says, okay, yeah, go back and tell your husband such and such. And she's like, uh, I ain't even got a husband. And you remember what he says? He goes, I know you've had like six. <laughs> what? And then, she, then he says this, and the guy you're shacking up with right now is not your husband. Can you imagine what she felt? The shame of that, right? The guilt, the confusion to how this guy knew that. Yet get this, get this part of the story. Jesus initiated the relationship with her. Jesus wanted her to see that there is a better way to do things. That whatever she was missing in here that she was trying to get from guys, he was saying, you know what? There's, there's an uncommon community available to you if you will just let me heal what's broken inside of you. Because that was Jesus' method. He wanted to bring people together with each other and with his Father. Remember the story he told when the guy walks up and says, hey, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? He says, love God with all you have, and then love your neighbor as, you, as yourself. And this guy's like, well, then who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells a story, you remember? Here's the story Jesus tells him. He says, there's a Jewish buddy of yours, and He's been attacked and he's off in the ditch. In fact, the Bible uses an awesome phrase, the, the version I have anyway. It, it says he's lying in the ditch naked and it, it, it describes this guy as half dead. Which I don't know what that means. Either you're alive or you're dead. I just don't think there's a halfway mark. It's, it's not just some, oh yeah, you just entered into half dead land and this is not going to go well for you. It describes him... Describes this guy's half dead, which is awesome. And he says this that a priest happens upon him, walks up, sees that his own kind, another Jew, is in the ditch, no clothes on, gasping for air, beaten, bruised, bleeding. What it says is that he then crosses to the other side of the road and keeps going about his way. And he says, ah, and then another guy from the church, right? A little lower than the priest, but still a pretty important guy in the church. It says he walks up. He sees one of his own kind, one of his own brothers. It says he looks over and checks it out and then walks across the other side of the street and goes about his own way. And then Jesus says this, then came a Samaritan. Now, we, once again, sometimes when we teach these stories to children, we do a disservice, and I get it. You can't tell kids everything at bed, like at bedtime, right? Because it would scar them. Like the David and Goliath story, 
Like we tell that to kids and we're like, and this slingshot and no pow and it hit him in his head and it kills Goliath and everybody's happy. No, that's not how that story ends. Read your Bible. It, it, he doesn't kill Goliath with the slingshot. It only knocks him down. Read the story. It says, then he goes over, gets Goliath's sword, and cuts Goliath's head off with his own sword. What the? All right, everybody, let's get some sleep. Not, not. No, that's, that's not what you tell your kids, is it? No, you just, you just, look, you just leave it at the slingshot story because that's like PG. You, you don't want to get over into the R version where the, the guy's like hacking his head off right before bedtime. Look, check it out. Back to our story. Same exact thing with the Good Samaritan, as we call it. And that's what's the, the impact of this Samaritan story is, is critical to what we're talking about tonight. Because remember, a Jewish leader came and asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment? Like a very high profile guy in the Jewish faith. And Jesus says, love your neighbor. The guy says, who's my neighbor? Because he assumes he's doing this correctly. And Jesus says, well, the two church guys come by, and they don't help a bit. It says, and then a despised Samaritan comes up on the scene. Now, I, I can't think of a modern day equivalent that r would really capture how much these two specific groups hated each other. Okay? Okay. I mean, we're talking a complete lack of care that the other group remains on the planet. That kind of hatred. Absolute hostility and hatred to the core of who they are toward each other. And Jesus introduces this guy into the story. And says, and then a, despi a despised Samaritan rolls up looks over at the guy. It says he then goes over and begins to take care of the guy's wounds and like put like little ointments and stuff on the guy's scratches and scrapes and cuts. It then says he, the Samaritan picks up this Jew, puts him on his donkey, takes him to a place that can... That where he can get well and get some rest. And tells the guy at this place, hey, I'm going to pay for his room. I'm going to pay for him to stay here and get better. And if, he, if it takes more money than what I've given you, I'll give you whatever money it's going to take. Make sure this guy gets well. And then Jesus asked this guy, he says, so who's, who's the neighbor in this story? Right, because here's what Jesus' method was. Jesus' method was that He wanted people living in real community with each other and these walls of hostility that are sometimes built with the people that are in our lives, He wants them broken down. And when those walls are broken down, as it says here in Ephesians, something amazing happens. We get to together be a part of 
of the family of God. So we got Reese when she was about 15 months old. And she'd been a she'd been living in a in a in a foster home situation. It wasn't a bad situation. It wasn't a great one. But it was about a two-year process of a lot of paperwork and getting a lot of tests done and going to the FBI, getting fingerprinted and blood work and all this stuff so they could make sure that we weren't some cuckoo heads. Is that a word you kids use these days? Hashtag cuckoo heads. Start it. Start it. Trend it. Tonight we're trending hashtag cuckoo heads. No, we're not. But about two years into the process and a lot of thousands of dollars later, we get a phone call that says, we're ready for you to come over and pick up your little girl. And so we got on an airplane, and we flew like almost 27 hours it took us to get over there. That was a blessing. I loved every second of it. I didn't. We got there, and there's this specific day. Like we got to meet her, and she came in, and she's so little. And she played with Ashley and cried a little bit. And then they tell the dads to stay over, like, away because they're, like, scared of you. And I'm just thinking, okay, she can be scared of me, but, I, like, I think it's creepier that I'm over here, like, behind some chairs with a camera. <laughs> it's daddy. <laughs> I'm like, how weird was that? I think they just need to rethink it. So we get to see her for a few days, but then there's this magical day, and it's called her gotcha day. It's the day we look at her and we say, we gotcha. Right? That's what it is. This is a real thing. We didn't make that up. So there's a day to where they walked her into the hotel lobby. She's this little bitty thing. She's 15 months old. They bring all of her belongings in like a little Walmart sack. That's all she has that's all she has. And they bring it and they walk her over and they hand the sack to me and they hand Reese to Ashley. And that's the moment that she becomes part of our family. In that moment, those walls of hostility are broken down between this little girl who doesn't have a home, that doesn't understand our language can't understand a word we're saying. We look nothing like anyone she's ever seen. But it was in that moment to where we, with smiles and tears, welcomed her into our family. Paul's writing to another church in Galatia. And he writes to those guys. He says, hey, look, here's the deal. He said, God through Jesus has chosen to adopt you into his family. And it says in that passage, and it gave him great joy. It gives God great joy when we take that step and say, Jesus, from this day forward, I'm going to begin to live for you. I want to be a part of your family. And when we do that, when we do that, here's what he does. He puts us into this huge family that we call Christians or followers of Jesus. 
We're now part of this huge family that because of that one connection, that one thing we have in common, that we are believers and followers of Jesus, we now can have this uncommon community. We have something more than we have on our team or in our club or at our workplace. We have something more. Jesus breaks down all walls of hostility and He says, I want you guys to experience real, true relationships with each other. And it's only Jesus that makes that happen. When I turned 30, something-ish, um, uh, it, was, it was time to get tattoos. That's what you do when you hit a certain age. You go, well, I'm bored. I guess I'll let somebody scratch on me for a little bit and I'll pay them a lot of money. Makes complete sense. So, Ashley and I both went to the, the tattoo place and I knew exactly what I was going to get on my arm. I'd known for a long time. And so my first one was this one. Um, and it says, it says, adopted. Now, Dave, this is a true story. I don't even know if I told you this. But it, it was at this thing... And I've told this story since then probably 600 times. And it was here in this building. This is where this happened. Like the first time I was here, I'm up here talking and stuff. And, and I, I didn't talk about tattoo or anything at all. And one of y'all, I don't know who it was, if it was you, don't raise your hand because you're an idiot. One of y'all walked up and said this, Hey, does that say Advil on your arm? <laughs> And I said, yep. <laughs> Didn't explain it at all. So if you've been telling people, I met a guy who once had Advil on his arm. It's, that's me. That was you. You're the idiot. <laughs> it was. It was in this room, man. I bet I've told that story a hundred times. Oh, I love it. But I put this on my arm. I put this on my arm before we even adopted Reese because I'm adopted. Okay, And this is a big part of my story, is my adoption. Because I had a little brother that I never knew. My parents couldn't have kids, so they adopted before me. They had a little boy, he was two. Um, some freak weird thing happened when he was two. My mom was uh, leaving the house, with, my dad stayed at home, and somehow two-year-old little Bill got out of the house, and my mom didn't know Got behind the car. She backed out to go to the store. She killed Bill. Two years old. At the time, my dad was, was not a believer. Wasn't a follower of Jesus. He had not been back from Vietnam very long. He was dealing with all of that. He grew up in an abusive home, a divorced home, and divorce wasn't the end thing. He lived with his dad and his grandparents. His dad was an alcoholic. And so he had no real foundation at all. He had no uncommon community. But let me tell you what happened. My mom was a believer. In fact, what happened, as soon as that stuff happened, as soon as that happened, her entire church came together and took care of her family. The church did that. Took care of her. Every waking hour, 
and loved on her those first few days after that happened. You can't imagine, I can't either. As a, as a parent, I can't comprehend what kind of pain and agony that must have been for my parents. And my mom's uncommon community came on loved on her and my dad. And check this out. Watch this. The night before my big brother's funeral, my, my dad came and sat down with my mom and said, Hey, look, here's the deal. Um, what this church has done for us is beyond anything I can imagine. They don't know me. They know nothing about me. I'm sure they know I don't go to church with you. Yet they have loved on me and cared for me and taken care of me and encouraged me and cried with me. And he said, and I want what you guys have. So the night before Bill's funeral, right there in my parents' living room, my mom gets down on her knees with my dad and my dad accepts Christ into his life. And takes that initial step, takes that first step to start following Jesus. In the midst of probably the most heartbreaking tragedy on this planet, my dad looked around and saw Uncommon Community and he wanted in. And so about a year later, they decided they were going to adopt again. Um, they were about a hundred people down on a list, a waiting list. The doctor knew what had happened. The lawyers knew what had happened that were doing the adoption, and they called them and they said, "Hey, we know you're way down on the list, uh, but we got a kid on the way, and uh, you, you can have him if you want him." They bumped them up a hundred people. Uh, that kid was me. It was September fourth, nineteen seventy-four. It was a football adoption. That means the doctor took the snap and then turned around and handed it off to my parents. Okay? <laughs> that's, a, that's a technical medical term, football adoption. Google it. Don't, because I don't know what you'll get. Don't Google that. I have no idea what's out there. It's a scary... Inter the internet machine is scary. So here I am. Check it out. Here I am 42 years later, almost 44 years after Bill died, sharing with you that the community that you have with each other, the relationships that you have with each other because you're believers, matters more than any other relationships on this planet. And there are people all around you, watch this, that are watching it, looking at it, and need in it. We were adopted into God's family. And it gives Him great joy. So here's how we're going to wrap this up tonight. We've got just a couple more songs. Now Austin and the guys are going to come back up. But I just kind of want to have a, just right where you are right now, 
I just want to, I just want to have a, a, just a little time for you to kind of process and wrestle through this right where you are. So here's what I want you to do for me tonight. Just to help us focus, I know it's been a long day for everybody. Just to help us focus, I'm just going to ask you just to bow your head, close your eyes. There's nothing magical or mystical about this. It just helps us to focus. And I'm just going to ask you a few questions, just give you some things to think about, maybe some things to process in your, your group when you go talk with your group here in just a few minutes. But the first group I want to talk to are those of you that are maybe sitting here that, that maybe just like my dad have no relationship with Jesus. And you know it. Like you know it. Whether this is your first time at some church deal or whether you come to this thing every week. Paul told us that Jesus came to break down the wall of hostility between us and God and between us and others. And Jesus is the only thing that's going to do that. He's the only one who is going to make us right with God. So if that's you and you're sitting here and you kind of know that's who you are tonight, You can, just, you can just pray something like this. Simple, easy, nothing magical about these words necessarily. But you can just say right where you are, you can just say, Hey, God, tonight I've realized that um, I've got no relationship with you. And I want in. I want to be a part of your family. So I believe that Jesus died as a sacrifice for my sin. To give us a relationship, God. And tonight I want to begin the best I know how to follow you, Jesus. Now with your eyes closed, you prayed something like that. Look, all I'm going to ask you to do is, is when you go to your groups tonight, just go, hey, that was, I prayed that tonight. Maybe you pull them aside right before you get going, or maybe you just stand up right in the middle of your group and go, hey, that was me. I prayed that prayer tonight. I, I, I'm in. I'm part of the family now. But please, tell your group leaders, or tell your friend that you came here with. And for those of us who are sitting here, and you, you are a follower of Jesus, you would call yourself a Christian my, my challenge tonight is that you really begin to, to think about this, is where are you finding your real community? Are you searching for it in, in all kinds of crazy wrong places when you know where it is? Is the group that you meet with every week, are, 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 are we being the kind of believers that this world needs. And we're going to talk about this in the morning. But I want you to begin to think about it right now. Because see, my dad's a believer in Jesus. Primarily because a group 
of people that called themselves Christians loved on him. God, tonight, we just want to say thank you for inviting us into your family, for adopting us as your own kids. And God, that when you do that, it makes you smile. And God, for those maybe tonight that took that step and this is their gotcha day with you, God, we just rejoice in that. God, for those of us who are a part of your family, God, tonight we just pray that we begin to really think about how we can have such an uncommon community, have such uncommon relationships that it draws people toward you. And God, that we would accept no alternative to that. That those are the kind of relationships that we seek out with all that is within us. God, we love you. And we thank you for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, why don't you guys stand up with us?